It's We've Been Watching with Claire Woodward and David Stevenson. How are you, Claire? Very good, thank you. It's been a it's been a funny old week on television, hasn't it? But not as funny as if you're working for the BBC this week. No, I think that's got a little bit too serious, hasn't it? All of a sudden, all of a sudden, they're losing channels. Yes, I know, and I mean, I know they're saying things like you know, CBBC and BBC Four will go online only, but will people seek them out in a digital first BBC? Well, I'm not so sure. I mean, someone put it to me this week that why didn't they actually create with BBC Four um, a Britbox style streaming channel for all their repeats and all the archive material have? They just don't think laterally, do they? Sometimes I think the BBC, I mean, they've got so many programs that people would love to watch that we've already paid for, Shock. Yes, that's very true. I mean, I'm always going on about why not have more more and more old repeats. And then people say, well, clearance is a massive issue. Um, you know, you might not be able to get the clearance for stuff. Um, but, you know, what do I know? I'm only a journalist. But it does seem to me sometimes the BBC should be talking a bit more to outside organisations about what to do next instead of sort of too much navel gazing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I absolutely. do seem a bit bit bereft of ideas i think really i mean i know they've got to save money and that's important and it's got to be value for money hasn't it for the license fee payer but mm. they still have a stock of so many programs that we don't have access to it just seems a simple thing to me now in the digital age to have an easier way to process them because a lot of people who probably aren't on the internet i mean these people do exist still watching linear tv so it seems mm. ridiculous to get rid of slots on linear tv really well, I think so. And bearing in mind, you know, as we keep, t uh, you know, people like us keep telling Nadine Doris, it's a massive industry. Television is a huge industry in the UK. And it's all very well saying, you know, Netflix are building studios and putting lots into production. It's like, well, Netflix isn't doing very well now. So they could quite easily pull programming. Um, so the BBC, you know, should I think be waving a flag for British production? But if it's not making any more programmes or less programmes, uh, it doesn't really bode well for British broadcasting as a whole. No, I mean, we do need a strong BBC. We need a BBC that's creative, definitely. Um, which probably brings us to our first programme of the week, Silent Witness, which, of course, has been around for 25 years. Is it 25 years? It's 25 series. I mean, you know, whizzing through the Silent Witness page on uh, on the iPlayer, it's just like, wow, 25 series. That is a lot of series. Um, I mean, I can't think of any other long a drama that's run as, as long as that. Can you? I can't really. Do you think that deserves one of my new sound effects? Probably. Silent Witness production team. Uh, but I have to say, I haven't watched it since um, Amanda Burton was, was in it playing the lead pathologist. So it's very comforting to be able to see Amanda Burton again in this new series. I mean, it was a, quite a high-octane plot, wasn't it? We had, um, I don't know whether this was a political thing, but we had a health secretary gunned down in cold blood in Liverpool. And um, it was all over health passports and data it, it seemed like on paper it seemed like the dullest plot imaginable let's have some let's have a controversy over some health data and then see what happens yeah and i thought as well oh filming in liverpool as well that's a bbc's commitment to the regions ticked off as well 
Um, but I, I, I found it really weird to watch it again because, you know, I, I haven't watched many series lately um, of Silent Witness and it just seemed really funny to see um, uh, Norma Irish Sam back doing her best thick accent and, and not being very nice. That was a bit of a bit of a blow. Well, it was, but also I thought that the uh, continuity announcer gave it away at the start of the programme by saying, but can she be trusted? I mean, this is... So we had the first... The whole first episode was all about her, oh, just sort of nudging in and being a little bit sort of dissembling in the slab room, if you like, and trying to <laughs> sort of outdo Nikki. Um, but I thought Nikki Alexander, Amelia Fox got the upper hand when she took out the stomach. Oh, my God, this is like watching an abattoir, isn't it? Took out the contents of the stomach and started squeezing them out on television, in, well, in front of an audience in the sort of slab room as well. I mean, going, oh, God, I think she's had half a cider. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was really classy, you know, cider and peanuts sitting on a bench outside. Terrific, very classy stuff for the health minister. Um, and it was, I mean, has it always been that gory, David? Because, you know, you did see the health minister on the slab and there was, it was pretty, you know, it looked like a butcher shop. It's, it did. It's like maximum post-mortem on that show now. And I think it has pretty much been that. And I think the audience is used to the gore factor. I mean, really, that first cadavers on the slab and all the flesh had been peeled off and we're just peering into someone's sort of vacant chest cavity, really. I mean, it's, I don't know, are we, are we more used to this and we can sort of take it as an audience? If you'd done that 10 years ago, I think people would have thought it's a bit much, but we're just so accustomed to having um, someone on the post-mortem table like that. I don't know. Could, did you find it, did you find it too gory? Um, well, I, I was quite surprised to see that amount of um, of, uh, of um, butchery, really. But I mean, yeah, you, know, you say you're looking into a sort of vacant cadaver, when it makes a change from looking into sort of vacant minds on so much reality TV. So I guess it's different. And it, you know, it is a classy drama series. I have to say, uh, I think Amelia Fox brings some real style to it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's well directed. I mean, it was well set. Um, the acting is good, but I still find it, I don't know, a little bit unconvincing. And the other thing I don't like about it is the plotting, because, again, a lot of the plot just arrives when something happens. I know something's got to happen, but you don't expect oh, I, that to be the clue all the time. I see what you mean, because in the I've, I've watched the sort of second episode and when one of the team is just going about Liverpool and she just happens to be looking for things and she suddenly finds a can of cider in a bin. No. By, by, and, and it's just like, and it turns out to have the DNA of the, of the health minister on it. And you just think, this is so improbable. I mean, it's possible, but it's so improbable. Um, it just struck me as quite laughable, actually. No, that's um, totally we... laughable. I mean, there is a there is a trend to this, and we'll get on to Grace, but um, there's of of no detection in this. I mean, I know this is a forensic, but you know, and the clues just shouldn't turn up as happenstance and going, oh, gosh, look, I think I think we've solved this. There's five minutes to go. Isn't that convenient? <laughs> convenient. And also as well, I do think, and I realise it, you know, it's a serious drama about forensics, but it's, to me, the episodes I saw were absolutely, utterly po-faced. And, you know, we do know that people who work in jobs like this do have quite a dark sense of humour. And we don't 
certainly from the episodes I've seen in the new, the new series, we don't see any of that. And I think that's 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 a bit of a shame. It just struck me as so utterly po-faced. No, totally. I mean, God, if there's going to be any gallows humour, it's going to be in a post-mortem room, isn't it, for goodness sake? Yeah. What are you having for tea? Sausages. Oh, it looks just like a colon. Yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> but the other thing, the other thing that got me was completely bizarre. Here's this health secretary sort of gunned down in cold blood, and you know everyone's all very shocked about it. But then they went looking for the bullet to try and establish how what the cause of death was. I mean, I can tell you the cause of death. She was gunned down. <laughs> Thank you, Doctor Stevenson. Well, I mean, we haven't seen a sort of minister being gunned down since the bodyguard, have we? No, I mean, it, it, was it just so, so naffly? Did you think it was a deliberately naffly political, this, having not only a health secretary, but whole issues to do with our our health data and any data and any privacy to do with it? Was that deliberate, do you think? Well, I mean, I probably think so. I think they're probably trying to be sort of well on trend because let's face it, after 25 series, you've got to find something a bit new to write about, haven't you? You know, and I suppose this is, you know, ragingly contemporary health stuff, and it's probably commissioned. When do you think, David? Pre-COVID, post-COVID, during COVID? Maybe just just as COVID. I think probably they they started filming, you know, maybe eighteen months ago. Really, I mean, all these things take a long time to get there now. Um, but then the script was they were they were hand feeding them with the script. I mean, the, this terrible line that they had when they were talking to the uh, victim's husband in hospital and. and and Sam Ryan goes, yeah, big tech is all about data. Okay. Yeah, gee, thanks for that. We didn't realise that. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe maybe it's part of BBC's, you know, inform, educate and entertain. But uh, I thought it was a bit of a waste of Hugh Corshi as well, unless he's going to come into a major role towards the end of the series. Yeah, he's I very good, isn't he? He's a bit of class, mm -hmm. definitely. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't go. I'm only going to get. I'm just going to give that a pass of three and a half stars. Really, there we are. Yes, well, I would say three because, I, I, and I do think as well that if you were dropping in as I have been after not seeing the series for a while, I did feel a bit adrift. You know, when Sam's ex-husband popped up, um, I don't think there's enough explanation. So um, for me, it's a three. It's a three. Gosh, I mean, no one's going to be flocking to this, are they? Anyway, I mean, what we'll move on to. I mean, there were, I mean, there were forensic pathologists. I can even, I can't say it for for want of um, amber liquid or whatever was found in that stomach. But um, we had we had Grace as well with um, Roy's girlfriend or sort of one-time girlfriend pathology technician Cleo Maury as well Zoe Tapper um, hmm. sort of chatting again over the corpse wondering why he hadn't run which was terrible for him oh I suppose even pathologists have to have a love life as well I guess but this was the last in the series wasn't it of Grace it was and we had a cliffhanger didn't we are we going to spoil it well, everybody would have seen it now, won't they? But um, it was that uh, Grace's disappeared wife may still be alive. Da, da, da. Have you got a sound effect? Hang on, I that? Think, I've got, uh, no, just do that again and we'll do the drum roll first. Here it is. <laughs> oh, 
That's fantastic stuff. It's amazing what you can do with a bit of podcast technology, isn't it? But yes, um, I mean, it did make me think, well, what's going to happen in the next series? Because I have enjoyed this series of Grace and I did particularly enjoy this final episode because I thought it was, um, it was, it was, it was a bit silent witnessy, wasn't it? Heavy on the pathology. Yeah, it was actually. Um, I enjoyed it as well. But again, I found the whole idea that they could track down whether it was about um, organ donation or not organ donation, basically organ selling, wasn't it? The harvesting yeah. of organs um, from unsuspecting victims, basically. Um, but then in order to track down where the operation was being held, they said, oh, get a list of local medical supplies. So they got a list of med local medical supplies. How do you get hold of such a thing, one? And then to go, oh, gosh, I think they're doing it at the spa hotel. So they dash there. <laughs> Maybe that's in the website, you know, it was offering, you know, not not only sort of relaxing weekends, but, you know, you can have a kidney transplant as well. I mean, again, it was very contemporary, though, wasn't it? Because the people who were having their organs harvested were um, illegal immigrants coming across in boats. Yeah, it was classic right on television, wasn't it? I mean, um, I mean, there's nothing there's nothing wrong with that. But um, contemporary is probably, yeah, you're absolutely right. Probably a better use of it. But you could see that it's developing now with a nice backstory of this relationship and how, how he will contend with this all, if at all. I mean, I wonder, I mean, I don't think this plays out in the books in this fashion. So this is all the work of our wonderful script writer, Russell Lewis, I imagine. Mm, mm. Yeah, because he does make things incredibly human. I mean, I think this is why I was just a bit, you know, when they announced this week that it was going to be the last series of Endeavour, because um, Lewis does really make you invest you in the characters. You really care about them. Um, I mean, I'm dreading what's going to happen to Fred Thursday in the final episode, because I love him and I think he's wonderful. He's a, he's a um, so, great character, isn't he? I mean, he's been sort of coughing stuff up for ages or, you know, clearing his throat and you go, oh, God, what's going to happen for quite some time, hasn't he? No, I, 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 I share your dread for what is going to happen to that character. I mean, I hope they leave it open, really. I was just wondering the other day, is there any other sequel, prequel from Morse that they can actually do? Morse's parents? We don't know. What, what about his parents? We don't know anything about them, do we? Or maybe could be a nice, it could be a nice yeah. ITV series with them sitting in the front room watching ITV3. <laughs> or maybe we'll discover that Morse had a secret love child or something. Who happens to be in the Met and just starting his career in the Met or her starting her career in the Met. Imagine yeah, my surprise. God, it's, yeah. it's endless, isn't it? But uh, do, you, do you, will Grace replace Endeavour for you? I don't think it will for me. Well, I have to say, I uh, no, it really won't, because for me, Endeavour's got everything. It's got the nostalgia. It's got really terrific acting in it. And it's got um, I, what I really love about what what uh, what Russell Lewis has done with with it is that he puts so much nostalgia and so much beautiful, tiny detail in it that viewers of a certain age will always enjoy that. Um so, and Grace is contemporary and I love John Sim and I really enjoy it, but Endeavour's got a special place in my heart because of the nostalgia factor. And always because, you know, um, Endeavour, sometimes we start a series going, is he going to have Tash this series? Maybe you won't, I don't know. But... 
Always and it always and there's all and it's always a nice nod to Morse, isn't it? In some way, I mean, of course, I will still watch an episode of Morse if I've got nothing else to do and I can't find an episode of the Sweeney or Minder or something. But um, <laughs> I I do enjoy the way that there are always nice touches about um, older characters, the characters that we miss. Um, mm, so mm. I'm all I'm all for bringing stuff back to feed in. I mean, it probably will, um, the other one, of course, I don't know they caught up with a couple of weeks ago was that uh, life on Mars is coming back in a form. I mean, but th that's sad for me because the real the reveal for that being they're all dead has kind of been done. So what else is there to say? They've done the biggest reveal probably in the history of television. Um how are they going to, how, how can they develop that? Well, that's going to be the trick of it, isn't it? To see whether they, they can find a way of how they're presented in the afterlife or something. It's, yeah. going, to be, it's going to be really, it's going to be really interesting, but probably everybody just wants to see uh, the characters just jump in an Audi Quattro and scream down the road in it. I don't know. I mean, maybe they're going to have like a police station in heaven where it's going to be like, you know, Gene Hunt's going to be investigating Napoleon Bonaparte or something like that. I mean, that's the only thing I can think of. That would be interesting, wouldn't it? Yeah. I'd, yeah, I'd watch that. Yeah, what, what, Gene Hunt beating up Napoleon Bonaparte. That would get ratings. <laughs> yeah, well, don't steal our ideas because we're going to copyright these, yeah. But, yeah, uh, all the ideas that were never made. So Grace will go four stars for me for Grace actually. Oh four from me. Well, I can give it four point five because I just find it so I, I just find it so very engaging and John Sim is marvellous. Absolutely. Right. Well, we should move on. Uh, my low point of television for this week was Dear Channel Five, who were messing around with something called Big Brits Go Large. Did you happen to watch that? Uh, yes, I did, because I really like programmes like this. However, I found this just boring. <laughs> boring, you know. I'll give you, I, let's have a limp bit of clapping and for that. Yeah, that's, really I, I, all, that's really all it deserves, isn't it? Yeah, the limp clapping goes to the young woman who was trying to run a dance class, run a dance class in London, and was trying to move it to Birmingham, and she didn't think she'd succeed, but she did. Oh, well Trina! Done. Yes, well done, Trina. I sort of, I thought that was the only thing about it that was any good. I mean, the guy they were calling, what was his name, uh, George, who they were calling a groomzilla, which was just an awful name for him. Anyway. Uh, I thought that was a low point for me because um, he was barely he barely had enough energy to carry his own young son around. And then he admits that I don't like walking. No joke. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, these are a couple who who are sort of almost like serial appearers on reality TV because I have seen them on a programme before, I think it was about, you know, weight differences in relationships. And she's a very slim Aussie girl who likes big blokes and came over from Australia to, you know, to to meet this big bloke that doesn't like walking. <laughs> um, I mean, how is he going to walk down the aisle? Is he going to be sort of, you know, dragged on a tractor or in a wheelchair or something? Or will he make it that far? Because he really is a very big lad. He'll be on a hoist, um, won't he? Because he had once. 
he'll be crying he'll be craned into an he'll be craned into an open an open open to the sky chapel of some sort won't he? <laughs> but um all these programs about overweight people and it's lovely they're all having a lovely time but one of the questions i want to ask is how much do you eat every day to maintain your weight I, that's the thing I'd like to know. I mean, we all know people are having a good time, you know, because they're people, they do have a good time, but why, why particularly big, uh, you know, there are things about bigger people that I would actually find interesting, not just, I don't like walking and I'm getting married. I don't think you'll find those on Channel 5, though, Claire. No, I won't, <laughs> will I? No, that's a shame. Channel 5 documentaries are, I think, absolutely, you know, superb popular television. But stuff like this. And, I mean, also Channel 5 had, uh, had a series this week um, on people in the porn industry, young women starting out in the porn industry, which I thought was really horrible. Um, they were saying what a great life they were having and how empowered they felt. And... Um, that I does just sound thought, low. I just thought, uh, as Jimmy Nail would say, she's lying. Um, they all looked <laughs> pumped up and fake and having fake tans, and they all just seemed to be a, a bit dead-eyed. And uh, I thought that was, uh, for me, that was Channel 5's low of the week. You clearly didn't watch it, David, because your mind's on higher things. But uh, this is horrible, just seeing these, you know, young women saying, oh, you know, people think I'm stupid because I'm a, I'm a porn star, but I speak lots of languages. And, and I thought, oh, well, you know, you're a cunning linguist in every level, dear. Um, <laughs> and it's a, it, this is the factual, factual entertainment genre, isn't it? So it's not documentary, it's reality television mixed with, some factual television with no real plot to it isn't it so um, yes that's isn't it you know it's not uh, what do they call it um aug not augmented reality augmented reality well it is sort of augmented reality because they're they're making them i mean in the case of uh big brits go large you know he's getting married so they go through the whole facade of him going down to choose a cake and you know he's basically being coercive over the choice of cake that he wants and it's really pathetic so he's treated like a child as well i mean these they they need to i think channel five all right have these subjects but try to make a point about them as well don't just go oh god let's just make it entertaining and have some people we're going to have a laugh at i mean they we used to criticize them a lot for doing this with with series about benefits people i mean you mm. know you've got to you've got to make up your mind what these shows are and whether you're saying you know we shouldn't eat so much i mean this is really just saying eat as much as you like have a good time and then die yeah exactly i mean that's would be great if we could see uh have a channel five documentary on what's uh the burden of being overweight doing to the nhs yeah oh that gosh yeah that's the yeah, no, we'd, we'd watch that. I mean, that'd be incredibly depressing and they'd probably think it's not entertaining enough. But um, so one star, even half a star for that, because it was just a, a waste of everyone's time. Well, I mean, I, I'm going to give it one. I'm going to be generous. But, you know, the thing is, with things like this, I quite normally I normally enjoy them, but I really shan't be back. And I just thought a Sunday slot for something like this was seemed very odd to me as well. But why do I care? I won't be back. Yeah, I mean, they're obviously quite proud of it, Channel 5, and that worries me because they've done better stuff than that and they ought to 
they would have a look at themselves before next week, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, exactly. But because I, I love their history programs and, you know, Bill Nye narrating programs about railways. I love. So, you know, you, you can do better. Absolutely. I thought the best piece of storytelling over the week was the new Lucy Worsley program about witch hunts. I found that completely fascinating. And I was I was gripped by it. It's just her ability to communicate well down the lens, isn't it? And to really make stories that you're interested in and uncover a lot of detail about witch hunts that I, I didn't know. I mean, are you familiar with the subject? I mean, it's not one that I was. Well, I mean, I am a bit, but I, what I thought was very interesting, as you say, she showed you things we didn't know. She was focusing on the witch hunts in Scotland, which I didn't realise were massive. You know, I mean, whenever they we do a sort of British history series, it's always the Pendle witch hunts or something like that. But the fact that she took a Scottish story, um, I thought was was genuinely something really different and as a real history fan um i think this new series is you know she's doing popular subjects like the princes in the tower and stuff like that but even for me who i think i know quite a bit about these things she's teaching me something different and i like the approach she's taking as an investigator as well you know she's doing the who do you think you are kind of stuff um and it's just so different and that's that's why i, I enjoyed it so much yeah, it's interesting because it made me think there isn't as much history on television at the moment, and maybe that's a good thing. So I think it's interesting to come up with a different format for it as well. I was particularly um, taken in by the conversation she had with another researcher who'd, who'd looked at some local council records as towards uh, payments that had been made and, and got to the bottom of the, the local, which I think it was Agnes Sampson, wasn't it, who was mm. basically a folk healer who was set up really by the church and um, was it, who was the uh, Royal, was it James the sixth, wasn't it? Um, mm. So that he could cover up what was going on with himself. So, I mean, I found that absolutely riveting. Yeah, that, that, um, that's real grassroots, proper historical research, you know, going back to those original sources, which is something interesting. And I think it shows that, you know, People could do that themselves if they wanted. I mean, I'm so delighted not to have another historical series about the Tudors. And I think there should be an absolute moratorium <laughs> on Tudor stories for at least another decade um, because I'm, I'm heartily sick of it. Um, and I know in this series, um, I don't know if it's been broadcast yet, but she's talking about, you know, the madness of George III. And again, she's un unearthed something about, you know, the Georgians, which don't get as much um, coverage as they should. And she's found out something genuinely fascinating about what made him so ill. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's new. And as you say, she's such a brilliant communicator. Yeah, I mean, uh, of course, she's famous for... For dressing up but in this instance there was no dressing up at all i was quite interesting she was when she went to that village that agnes samson lived in she was walking you know along in a, in a mac with a handbag it was like she looked a bit like <laughs> agatha agatha christie as a historian yeah i mean again that i i thought was really good i thought it was really grown up because you know I know she's famous for doing this reenactment stuff but you know she is a proper professional um, well-qualified historian and I, I really think the dressing up was a bit beneath her but if it brought an audience in well so much the better but yeah I like seeing her being a grown-up it's good 
Yeah, and I mean, I suppose what we're seeing in this is we're seeing the craft of being an historian, going back to local church records or local council records and seeing what they actually reveal. I mean, really, on it's the last thing you would expect to see on TV, but, but often now grainier and grittier subjects are what people really want to get their teeth into, aren't they? Yeah, I think so. And I mean, I, I do think maybe this is one of the reasons that COVID has changed broadcasting. You know, it's probably one of those things people maybe have been researching their own family trees when they've been in lockdown, things like that. So maybe there is a, a bigger interest in things like research yeah, and history yeah. and when, it, when it's personal, which these stories are. Um, oh, it's, it's, uh, it's good. It's really good. Absolutely. Well, five stars for me. I think that's a hit. If you can keep up enough interesting subjects, I suppose that's going to be the challenge, isn't it? Well, this is it. But I mean, you know, it's history, isn't it? It's endless. I mean, I'm going to give it a four. It's 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 not the greatest history series I've seen, but it's a real uh, it's very involved. And I think it's what the BBC should be doing. You know, it's not the usual spoon feeding you things you already know. It's taking you in a different direction and making you think a bit more. So it gets the applause from me for that. Right, let's have some cheering. There we are. Some cheering. Lovely. Lovely. Yeah, not that we're indulging in sort of cheap effects just for the sake of entertainment. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. As if we would do anything like that, David. I mean, where's that going to get us? What a worldwide audience. Oh, I think so. Yeah, I think we're going to be, I think we'll be on Amazon Music soon. Oh, good. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I love Amazon Music. What is it? <laughs> um, let's have a quick. Let's have a quick look at next week. Um, of course, we've got the Jubilee uh, happening, and we've got a lot of television Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. You'll be glued to that, won't you, Claire? Absolutely not. Um, I, I'm one of the sort of, I think, the uh, Republic organisation uh, to abolish the monarchy have, have done some uh, research that says 54% of people don't really care about the Jubilee, and I'm afraid I'm in the 54%. Um, I mean, have you seen anything in preview, David, that tells you anything about the Queen that you don't already know? No, not not particularly. Uh, I think we mentioned the Roger Michelle documentary. I, th I still think that one on... Uh, Amazon Prime is the pick. The, the BBC have their own Queen Unseen on Sunday night. I've been to a preview of that. I watched it on the big screen at BAFTA, and, and often you're a little bit hypnotised by the big screen. I know I'm a bit of a child, so it's probably... No, absolutely, I agree, yeah. You, you do get sort of taken away with it, and I was. But it's 70... What's interesting, it's 75 minutes, but it stops at her coronation, and I'm, I'm sitting there going, are we ready for... I'm ready for episode two now. So the home movies go from when she was a child up until her coronation. And I mean, I'm not saying it isn't interesting, but do I really want to watch Edward and uh, King George sort of somersaulting in their own garden together? I mean, I, th I, mean I, I need a bit more than that. Yeah, it's a shame. I mean, I would quite like to see the, you know, do you remember the Royal Family documentary from 1969? I would quite like uh, yeah. to see that again, but I understand the Queen doesn't want it shown. But for me, that was a, I mean, you know, I remember when it was out and it really was exciting, you know, first glimpse of things like the Queen taking Prince Edward to buy an ice cream in a shop. Um, that really was letting the sunlight in on the magic. 
So, I mean, essentially, yeah. you know, all these programs just seem to me to be a, a real hagiography of how wonderful the Queen is. And, 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 yes, she is in many respects, but what's the future for the monarchy? That's the sort of program I would like to see maybe in post-Jubilee uh, programming. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I agree. I think we need, I mean, we are wallowing quite seriously in nostalgia with all of these shows. I mean, that's why I recommend the Roger Michelle because it uh, it's it's more authored, obviously, mm-hmm. than uh, someone putting together a group of home movies. And a, and a home movie is necessarily going to be all very nice about everybody. And this this is, and it's and it's very well put together. It's as though the Queen is narrating it. So you, she, and the Queen has recorded the first uh, minute or so of the narration, and then there's audio dotted throughout. So there's very clever storytelling from it because it makes you think the Queen is is contemporaneously narrating it, which of course she isn't. I mean, that would be an absolute <laughs> miracle, and I probably wouldn't add much to it anyway. I mean, so bits of profundities from her own uh, Christmas messages and things like that are sprinkled throughout. I mean, I, I'd give it, I'd give it three and a half stars for for what it is. And fans of the royal family will will absolutely love it as well. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? People are going to watch it because it's the Queen. But you know, the the thing about the Queen is she's kind of largely unknowable, isn't she? Probably the last royalty yeah, to be unknowable. And um, and yeah, but as I say, I shall be uh, I shall be uh, doing the garden or something to to the jubilee. I mean, I think for me the big event is the Thanksgiving service, the big state thing, which is on Friday morning, and I'm sure Hugh Edwards will be you know giving it large on the uh, on the voiceover on that one. But um, yeah, not not one for me. But have a nice time anyway, Mom. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, good luck to the royal family, and let's hope our friends. Harry and Meghan don't spoil the party. Oh, yes. Well, Netflix will be busy nosing around that, won't they? (laughs) They'll get some good stuff. Anyway, until next week. Thank you, Claire. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. We'll leave you with some, some nice sound effects, everybody. See you next week.